started the transcription. Have you ever read the transcriptions? Not, um, not, no, not the last couple, but I read the first one. It does. It's not it's, great. It's neat to see what it thinks we said. I have thought about just cutting or copying, whatever the term is, copying and pasting the transcription into the show notes, because for some of our listeners, it might be more interesting. Oh my God, it might. That is pretty funny. Welcome to Wine and Wine. A podcast about how we decided we'd do this recording the day before the busiest day of the year, because why not? We weren't doing anything anyway. No. I'm Jill. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to delve into being grateful, obviously, with it being the day before Thanksgiving. And frankly, Jill, uh, she issued a challenge to me in this area. She had challenged me to pick five either people or experiences and why I'm grateful for them. And uh, that was hard to do. It's harder than you think. It is harder because I thought, oh, five, sure, no problem. But I actually, like, there's so many more things I probably could have added to that list. And to narrow it down to five and try to fit other things into it was pretty tricky. Well, I think we get into the habit of, hey, what are you thankful for? And everyone immediately says family. Family. And then they're done. So I think a better question is to ask for five answers because by the time you get to number five, you're now listing the things you're really thankful for, which is wings on pads. Yes. I don't know. Life-changing. 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 I will say by the time y'all are listening to this, it will not be the day before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Kathy and I both had a lot going on the last few weeks, which we will talk about at another time when we're ready. Mm -hmm. But the summary is that we are indeed both of the sandwich generation and... So therefore, we got a little bit uh, delayed in recording. So what you can be most thankful for this year is that it's the Monday or the Wednesday after Thanksgiving and you're getting wine and wine. Last month, we ended the show with a challenge. Uh, I don't think either of us knew the bunch of bullshit that was going to come into our lives in the meantime. Um, (laughs) So the challenge for this month was five experiences or people that you're grateful for. And I mean that when you... When you ask people to name something they're thankful for, you really get just a canned, oh, I thought of this on the way over response. How can we ask that question differently? And why are we only asking it at Thanksgiving? But we got to start somewhere, right? So we both have five on the list. Do you (laughs) want to do one for one? How should we, how should we work our way through this? Yeah, I think uh, I like a, I like a one for one. Do you want to kick it off or shall I? I'll kick it off. So I obviously, I'm going to start with the obvious and then I'm going to work my way into mm-hmm. into less obvious. So obviously okay. I will always be grateful for family and friends. Yes. I am very fortunate. And I, I do recognize that not everybody has the kind of the, the circle that I do. And I now in, in, I've done a lot of work to grow those relationships because every relationship takes work. Um, but I am very grateful for friends and family, like my inner circle, you and my, my girls. And then of course my family, I am very grateful and thankful for, for them because I know, I know that I don't ever have to go through something alone that I always have somebody I can reach out to. That is very true. And I also have, I'm moving up to number one, just so it matches. (laughs) That's OCD kicking in. I'm thankful for OCD. (laughs) I too have family. I think I actually wrote family and not friends because I guess for me, I always think of it as one big umbrella. Mm-hmm. 
those people that are truly, truly good friends that have been through the mud with you, uh, yeah. that laugh at your terrible jokes, you know, they quickly become that very cliched line of family that you chose and weren't given. Um, I think that for me, you know, I think obviously of Rich as number one, he's my number one cheerleader. He's my number one um, riding the ship guy. He will he call me out on anything he needs to call me out on. So that's the kind of person I want in my life. Mm-hmm. Right now, my family has been going through a bit of a, a struggle, we'll say, over the last few years. So my family by blood has felt a little bit not, I guess, like not a champion in my life. Yeah. For a lot of reasons that are really stupid. So I am grateful for them because, you know, while they're not in my life right now, they are still teaching me things as far as um, relational dynamics and, you know, how to behave among people you love. So a weird kind of way to be grateful for your family, but eh, it works. It does work. And it's good that you can take something that's not 100% on the positive side and turn it into, okay, well, what can I get from this? What yes. can I learn from it? And being able to be like, okay, th- I know how this makes me feel. I'm not going to treat other people this way. Yeah. And it is interesting. I think that, especially for where my kids are right now, they are learning, you know, obviously they're siblings and we want them to hang with each other for the entirety of their lives. So through what's going on with myself and my siblings, they're learning things that they would not do, um, ways that they would not treat people. You know, I think there is positivity sometimes in the negativity in the lessons. It's really easy to learn from someone who's inspiring and, you know, doing things that you can't imagine ever doing. It's a little bit more difficult to pick from those people that aren't so inspiring and, and, and make a better choices in your own life. So I am grateful for that. All right. Number two for me, and these are not in any particular order, I should say. So the second one I wrote down was sports for me. So growing up, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. I truly believe I mean, (laughs) I believe that if I didn't have games on Friday nights and practices on Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, during the week, I might not have turned out the way I did. I am certain that it kept me out of trouble. And, you know, it has been a source of friendships and shared experiences. When you win a championship with a team or in a mixed doubles or doubles match in tennis, you know, that's a really cool, neat experience. And playing in a league, I got to know a whole bunch of people that I would never have met had I not played in some leagues as a kid. And of course, as an adult playing in adult tennis leagues up here. And I'm about to start the foray into pickleball. Yes. I'm totally excited. I start, I'm going to start taking a clinic first so I can actually learn all the rules mm-hmm. and get some skills. I'm hoping they transfer over from my from my tennis game. We can definitely do the pickleball tennis debate another time. I no. think I as you it was Kathy and I were both very athletically active as a kid. As as a kid, just as one kid. <laughs> just one of us were. And you're right. It, it's curious to think about what your life would be if you didn't have sports to wrangle you in. We are both very busy people in that probably as a five-year-old, our parents were like, My God, this girl is so busy. Can we get her into something? Yeah, We did not grow up among the people who, or uh, in the years where where today, you know, you get signed up for 17 different sports by the time you're six. Right. We grew up in the times where you really had to pick one. If you were good at it, you stayed in it. And then you kind of went through, you know, higher levels, higher levels, higher levels. So we, I, you know, that's one thing I wonder if kids today, kids today, there we go. The the first get off my lawn. 
um, I wonder if kids today are missing that in their younger years because they have soccer one night, frisbee the next night, swimming the next night. So they're not getting to experience that feeling of being on a team because they're just dabbling in so many things. I'm grateful for the way we grew up because it Me was too. a, you know, and if you weren't good at sports, then you would do like my sister was an okay athlete, but sports weren't her thing except for softball. Yeah. So she did dance, which is still an athletic endeavor, mm -hmm. just in a different, in a different way. So, you know, if you weren't doing out playing ball, maybe you were doing dance or one of those other kind of sporty kind of type things that get out adrenaline. Yeah. So my, I guess the one that I'm going to try not Matt and that I'm trying to match for match, but the one that is kind of related to that, I am grateful. And this is an experience, not a person that I blew out my shoulder so badly in college that I had to stop doing gymnastics for a season. Mm -hmm. um, while sports were such a huge part of my life, it was that experience that exposed a huge weakness, which was I did not know how to be anything other than a collegiate athlete. I did not know how to make decisions. I did not know how to decide what I was going to eat, you know, unless I had a coach beside me telling me. Blowing out my shoulder made me just <laughs> kind of fill the fill in that gap. Uh, one of the things that I'm so thankful for is because I blew out my shoulder, I was able to join a service sorority at mm -hmm. my school at, at Westchester, known yep. as the Abbey Society. Hello, ladies. Just kidding. They're too busy. They're not listening. <laughs> And that is what really kicked off my need to be service oriented yeah. because I all of a sudden found something that in a place and a time when I thought I'll never feel good and happy again, I found something that was actually pretty simple and made me feel good and happy and even happier than I was, you know, flipping around in the gym every day. And if I hadn't blown out my shoulder, I never would have discovered that. And that service orientation has carried with me, you know, to even today. And, yes. and of course, that's actually how you and I really solidified our mm -hmm. relationship because we joined the JCs in Raleigh. And yeah, that is a service organization for people that aren't in college. That's right. Uh, I think it's so funny. So you're your number. Yeah. So your number two kind of dovetails into my number three, because I kind of lumped that under education. And mm -hmm. I, I am grateful for, and not just like the formal education I have, which I'm definitely grateful for, but I, I'm grateful for the continuing education of continuing to be curious about the world. One of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is, you know, when you know better, you do better. And obviously not everybody um, I love that. takes that to heart. It's one of my favorite quotes. That education, because I think once you... I mean, a formal education definitely gives you a head start on other people in, in this thing in particular, but it uh, really allows you to look at the world through multiple lenses versus just a singular lens. That's why the volunteer work has always been so important too, because when you gain that formal education and then continuing education to learn about the world and about how things really do work, because just because you read them in a book and then when you go and try to see how that plays out in life, those two things aren't always congruent. And so being able to say, understand why volunteer work is necessary, why it's important to give to give back to the world and these other organizations, I, I am definitely grateful for, for that. And having the kind of mind that can accept and learn new things and understand and being able to be okay with the fact that I'm not, I'm not going to understand everything. And that's okay, because there's people smarter than me out there that can figure out some of the tough stuff and 
I get to do fun things like play with puppies at the SPCA or take meals to elderly people that don't have somebody else in their life. I think that's, you know, of course, everyone hears the word education, they automatically think of going to school and writing notes and taking tests, Yeah, which is, that's really the minimal. Yes. The smallest piece of education. And I know like all our dads ran around talking about, oh, the school of life and the school of hard knocks. <laughs> but that's, that's where you learn the most. Yeah. Yes. It's from the people around you and, and being willing to dive into their experiences and mm -hmm. accepting of what they are and helping them teach you more about yourself. Yeah. Usually through your differences. Yeah. This sounds like such a smart person podcast this month. Are people <laughs> going to stop listening or, or what's going to happen? <laughs> I did not write down education is one of the things I'm thankful for. Uh, <laughs> The next thing on my list, and again, no particular order, but this is actually the thing I think of the most still when people ask me what I'm thankful for, and it's the pandemic. And I know, I know that's kind of, that's as controversial as cranberry sauce, right? That's that's Wait, other you, podcast. You you liked the pandemic. I have to say, the pandemic probably saved our family, and I don't mean saved it. I mean we were we've gone through a lot more more difficult shit like 10 years ago than we did three years ago. But at the time the pandemic rolled around, we were, oh gosh, I mean, we were going in 27 different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, not, we had teens. So, you know, there was a lot of t probably typical. Right. Teen drama. Yeah. The teen drama going on in our house. And, you know, when they, you know, we kind of start hearing about this pandemic thing and how you might go on lockdown and it didn't really, register that when they say lockdown you're like this yeah. is it you know these yeah. four walls in your driveway that's going to be your world for the next you know the for the foreseeable future and i know across america there was parents of teens asking the good lord what he was doing to them and that is when the pandemic is was another place i was thankful for being ocd because i immediately got to all right well, we're going to have a daily schedule and we're going to do these parts of the day together and we're not going to do these parts of the day together because in my household we are really really good at recognizing everyone's need for space and balancing that need for space mm -hmm. with interaction um, with other humans which of course in that case was just the four of us together and it was really like stripping down our very technical gadget oriented home to teaching the kids how to play horse. Like who doesn't know how to play horse? Well, my kids don't because they have been on gadgets and yep. those moments are what really brought us into the, this new version of our family that we weren't expecting. And it's awesome. Like, I don't know if my kids look back at it and go, that was amazing. But my husband and I do. We yeah. also know that if we feel like our lives are getting out of control and chaotic again, that it, you know, we have this roadmap now called let's pretend there's a pandemic where we can, we don't really call it that, where we can go, all right, we just need to get back to the basics. You know, what are we, we need to pull inward, be within our own four, four walls, get to know each other again, you know, put the screens away. So I'm actually super thankful that I got to be a part of that glorious year. <laughs> and a half and a half or 18 two months it was three years i don't know is it over yet i some say it's not i <laughs> the pandemic yeah i 
I can appreciate that as a experience for sure that you, that you went through. I was obviously in a different situation and I will tell you that this isn't one of my things on the grateful, but if I were to piggyback onto yours, we had just rebuilt the deck on the back of my house in 2019. Thank goodness we did. I can't imagine not being able to have outdoor air during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And see, in my home, we had scheduled outdoor time. It was like freaking recess. I was like, okay, three o'clock, time to go outside. Everybody come outside. We're going to exercise. They thought I was crazy. They were probably right. I don't know. That sounds like a the healthiest way to have gone through the pandemic. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, I know that for me, and I know myself, <laughs> when when there's uncertainty, I need to make it as certain as I can. <laughs> That is, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Okay, let's take a break and get a word from our sponsor. I'm kidding. Nobody would pay for this. Um, uh, do you want to do your... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I shouldn't be allowed to play oh. with the internet. I am not a cat. Remember that from the internet? When yeah, that I do remember that. Lawyer? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have the funniest picture. Oh my God. This is like talking to my husband, to my husband on FaceTime. I'll be like, you're not going to believe what the kids did today. I'm a shark. <laughs> I love Rich. <laughs> oh, he's dandy. So now a word from our nonsir. Oh, wait, is that Kathy's voice saying that? Yes, because normally it's Jill's voice saying that. But Jill, <laughs> who is our nonsir for today? Uh, today's monster is cranberry sauce or is sauce. Where am I? I'm all of a sudden I went to New Jersey. <laughs> today's monster is cranberry sauce brought to you by ocean spray, or we could go even further back to the inventor of canned cranberries, a little man I like to call Marcus Duran. My Did goodness. you know Marcus was the one that actually developed this as a way to salvage leftover cranberries at the end of the season i did not okay that is fascinating. life-changing invention i guess the can wasn't life-changing 1912 he canned his first cranberry sauce under the name ocean spray preserving company well i have to tell you so i guess this is where the debate really begins and it's actually more polarizing than politics or religion well, and I will I will go on record and I recognize I'm gonna lose a few lose a few folks here, lose a few friends, maybe a few followers, but I am pro can cranberry sauce. How do we even maintain a friendship? <laughs> I'm pro can. That's pro can. Uh, and you know what? I no. prefer the salad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I truly believe because this is not this probably does not I don't know. It still tastes good to me. Who am I going to, I'm not going to even try to lie, but it, because it's sweet, it's very dessert like for me, but this also, yeah, this is, it's the memories. Like this is what we had growing up. It was, Mm -hmm. and I will tell you, my sister has the, we're going to use the dish that my mom always put the cranberry sauce on Mm -hmm. or, and so for me, I, this, even if I always have to supply it, it doesn't matter where I go for a Thanksgiving meal. It's going to be ocean spray, canned, jellied cranberry sauce. And I think, I never really thought about this until just now. I'm not a fan of sweet things. Like, don't love chocolate. Don't love, you know, Jolly Ranchers, whatever. 
I, that's exactly it. This cranberry sauce out of the can, it's too sweet for me. Yes. I like the kind that your other grandma probably made, which came, and I don't even know, did she start with the base of the can and then add celery and nuts and no, did I, she start with gelatin? And I have no, I actually have no idea. No, there are some amazing cranberry sauce recipes out there, which yeah. and I think I've made another one in the, in the past. Um, but you're right. This has 25 grams of sugar. I can just add it to my coffee and I'd be good to go. Oh, seriously. It's a dollop of this. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how you can't have a proper Thanksgiving table has both, I think, because mm-hmm. otherwise if you have one or the other, it, there's an argument immediately and people are storming right. out and that's it. Right. It's over before it even started. Yeah. Which I don't know, maybe in some households that's preferred. That's- I would say that is probably true. So you know another one that you don't talk about a lot is lingonberry sauce. Have you had that? I am unfamiliar with that. I d- I do not believe you because I just I think you don't know that you've had it. Have it's, you ever gone to IKEA? Oh, I mean, yes. I'm over forty. <laughs> okay. Do you not get the meatballs with lingonberry sauce when you go there? That's the sauce that those meatballs. Yes. Are? Yes. I uh, okay. Okay. That is some magical stuff right there. Yes. So my question is, when the Swedish sit down for Thanksgiving, is that what they have a debate over? Is canned lingonberry or fresh or a salad? Or possibly because they don't live in America, they don't actually have Thanksgiving, but that's not really important. Right. You mean they're not celebrating Columbus? (laughs) I don't think we're celebrating Columbus either. Thank goodness. (laughs) Just kidding. We're over 50. We do celebrate Columbus. It's fine. (laughs) We actually, we probably don't actually celebrate Columbus anymore. Because you and I are definitely more aware and world traveler than that. We celebrate the sentiment of the gathering of... Yeah, the feast. The feast. And actually, Thanksgiving is the breaking of the harvest. I uh, don't mean to brag, but I've done several articles on this. And Thanksgiving isn't so much about, hey, we ran into a rock with our ship in New England. It is actually about, hey, we just, we're getting ready for winter. We got to can all this shit so we have something to eat. Oh gosh, that didn't fit in my uh, my can. So now I'm going to have to make cranberry sauce. That is actually really what Thanksgiving's about. In the tales of lore, it just so happens that I guess everyone collected all their grains and decided to hang out with the, you know, merge two cultures together to eat it. I'm really glad I just had a little private belch. I don't know if you can hear that. All this, all this talk about cranberry sauce made me a little burpy. <laughs> uh, that seems fitting. Thank you, Marcus. You're in. Urine, urine. I can see now why he went with ocean spray. Yes, ocean spray. Maybe that's what he meant by his ocean spray. His last name's urine. Okay. As always, thank you, Kathy, for bringing something else I clearly don't need to my attention so I can buy it immediately after the show. Listeners, if there's a link to be found, we'll put it in the episode notes. But now, back to wine and wine. Okay, number, what are we on? Are we on four? Four. I think we're on number four. Okay, number four for me is going to be scouting. And not scouting like scouting for gold. I mean, Girl Scouting. And, (laughs) you know, so Girl Scouts, that was the very first group that taught me the value of my female friendships. Yes. And also service work, for sure. But I will say the scouting piece of it for female friendships you know, I carried that on. I mean, I, through Girl Scouts, I did the sorority thing in college. I loved our female friendships I got in the JCs. And 
my I have my inner circle of of gal pals and I am definitely a pro woman at work and I mean obviously I'm a feminist so no what I know you gotta tell me to sit down before you drop bombs like that <laughs> all right uh maybe a podcast for another day but but so I but I will say it all started with Girl Scouts and you know say what you will about about scouting in general and I know that's not a perfect those are not perfect organizations but for me and the time that I grew up it was perfect and because yeah. not only did it solidify my kind of some female friendships and how those originate and how you maintain them but I will especially be grateful to scouting because it was really one of the first ways that my dad and I were able to connect Mm. is odd so like he was our cookie dad and would come with us like when we were walking around the block back in the day when you could ring somebody's doorbell and say hey you want to buy some girl scout cookies oh um, yeah yep right but my dad was also the one that helped us do some of the badges and mm -hmm. for example the ms fix it badge so it was my dad we had some of the girls came over and he literally like flattened the tire on one of his cars so that we could fill the tire up and he got under the sink and showed us how to fix a leak going through some of that through girl scouting ironically was just an amazing way to be have that connection with my dad mm -hmm. i don't know why when you said flatten the tire i automatically think thought of a shank then <laughs> 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 like, i thought wait no we probably just let the air out of it that'll be okay <laughs> Oh my God. He, I mean, he did teach us how to change a tire, but he didn't actually. I know we didn't. I, no, I know. I don't know why that's what I thought of though, but that is so, that's so great. I, I too, I was in the Girl Scouts briefly until I got kicked out. That's not important. That's when I started gymnastics where I also developed those female friendships, but yeah, the daddy and daughter relationship mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. I, you know, we gave Kobe Bryant all this credit because he was a girl dad and I mean, I love Kobe Bryant, so this is not a slide on him. There are girl dads literally everywhere. Yes. Yes. Everywhere. And that relationship is amazing, and especially when it involves, you know, the, the teaching of the things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so much so that I remember getting when we did the individual, like we did, there's a, there's a group sports badge and there's an individual sports badge. And mm -hmm. I know for one of those was the first time I'd ever gone and hit golf balls. And so my dad had taken us out to the driving range and to hit, hit golf balls, which is so, and even, awesome. even when he couldn't golf anymore, but he wanted to get out of the house. Um, so it was like probably right in the middle of like chemo and stuff. I would take him out mm -hmm. to the driving range and he would just watch me hit golf balls. Oh, that's awesome. And so just being able to kind of take some of that stuff that happens in your youth and have it kind of continue through adulthood it's uh just really special yeah i i, I you know i love my dad to pieces he did travel quite a bit when i was young and it wasn't i mean it was week he would leave sunday night come back friday night you know so he was more of a weekend dad it's weird because now that he oh gosh he's got 84 gonna be 84 this year or was 84 i don't know he just had his birthday you'd think i would know this we've actually developed that kind of relationship later in his life and obviously later in mine as my mom's taken ill and he's become our caretaker and having to teach him how to cook and how to shop and how to do the things to be what would traditionally be 
my mom's role. Right. And that's been another thing I'm grateful for that's not on the list. You know, it's it's been special to be able to do that for him. Yeah. And I try to remember that when I'm exhausted, like I am now, because I just did the whirlwind tour. <laughs> right. Well, right. Right. Uh, come through Raleigh, go down to Pinehurst. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful for a book called Glimpses of God, which is by a woman named Michelle Peel. And it's actually a book that came out, I mean, I think I was 30. And what the book is about, it's about her 16-year-old daughter who was tragically killed in a car accident. You know, she woke, She got the call in the middle of the night from the, the sheriff down in North Carolina saying that, you know, her child unfortunately had been in an accident and three out of four survived and her child was not the survivor. The book is... You know, she wrote it through her grief, but what she wrote about was these moments that popped up in her brain in the years or months prior to her daughter being killed that she really believes were these glimpses that were sent to her by God. They, the moments were just so much more special later when her daughter died and she's looking back and going, oh my gosh, I think this moment is something that God sent me because he knew I was going to lose her. That's crazy. And then she would think further back and go, oh my, I, you know, I can't believe, you know, I took my daughter to a tea party. Yeah. I never do that. And I, unfortunately, I'm, I can't remember the specific stories right now. I should have probably beefed up on that, but thinking, you know, oh, there's this thing I did with her that I never would have done before. Why did I do that? Why did I think to take the time to do that? Yeah. Not knowing that at a few months down the road, she was going to lose her daughter and then being so grateful that she had made that decision to do it. Um, I think about that book all the time. Obviously, it's been 20 years since I read it. Mm -hmm. I try to go through my life looking for those moments and knowing that anything I do today could be one of those moments. Life is crazy. It throws you these these turns that you aren't expecting. Yeah. So I, I just always, a lot of times in my daily life, I think, oh, is this going to be one of those glimpses of, glimpses of God? Like, I need to slow myself down and really appreciate it because I don't know what's going to happen in a month. And will this be the moment that I remember? I had the choice a few weeks ago. Um, I was scheduled to go to my nephew's wedding. I was asked not to attend his wedding. Mm -hmm. Another podcast. Ended up taking my family down to visit my parents. And I remember saying at the time to Rich that I think this weekend is going to mean something to me later. Because we made the choice to go south instead of north. Yeah. And I did not know that in two weeks I would be getting a phone call from my dad saying, hey, mom's in the hospital, which my mom is recovering now. But at the time, we weren't sure what was going on. And I immediately thought of that, like, oh, gosh, I I thought that weekend was going to mean something to me, but I, I wasn't ready to mean for it to mean something quite so quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just that's what that book taught me. And I'm. I'm super grateful that I read it and for Michelle Peel for writing it. And I, you know, honestly, I hope that by mentioning it in the podcast, it'll she'll get a surprise bunch of sales. So I will put the link in the show notes. Oh, you totally, cause I'm going to be on Amazon right after this buying that book for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Real quick. Can you hear my husband having a fight with the aluminum foil? I just want to make sure it wasn't. No, it's canceling. Okay. That like it's an actual wrestling match happening in the kitchen. So. <laughs> That's a noise I love when I'm done trying to record something. <laughs> right. No, I can't hear a thing. Okay, good. Wow. Okay, so my final on our challenge 
is what I am grateful and thankful for is travel and the ability to travel and actual travel itself. Because when you travel outside your teeny tiny little circle and you learn that you're not the center of the universe, insert gasp here, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, you just really get to see and learn amazing, amazing things. Even when I was, so when I was young, I, you know, my, my mom was strict on us and mm -hmm. my dad was not the disciplinarian. It was our mom. It was the disciplinarian. Right. And yeah. we, you know, I mean, if, if because of my little tiny existence at that point, right. Cause you have like, you know, this, you know, tiny, teeny, teeny little bit, you've probably traveled, you know, the furthest, furthest that you've traveled, you know, is maybe down to the coast somewhere or on a vacation with the family not done any world travel or been anywhere on your own as an adult. And so, you know, you have this vision of the world and the vision of your family. And it wasn't until I had left for school and gotten higher education, which I talked about earlier, and really understood as I was learning more about Western North Carolina and what actual abuse looks like physically and what that, the toll it takes mentally on a, on a child. So even that little bit of travel just to the western side of the state to, to see some of that really opened my eyes. And then when you travel outside of our country and you see poorer countries and how they live and richer countries and what that looks like, right? Because the outskirts of you know, the Dominican, not not in the actual like, you know, where vacationers go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. outside of that or down in South America, some places in Mexico. So when you see those, whether it's through Peace Corps or if you get to do some out travel and how that's vastly different from those that live in the city of Paris, right? Or mm -hmm. London. So it's just really interesting. And I, I love travel and I always try to do something to increase my knowledge base whenever I travel. So I have done a lot of solo trips where I would go visit, whether it was an Indian tribe or uh, if I was on Indian land, learning about that particular tribe and what they stood for and why they were, were not still around. And then like even out West, when I got to go see the internment camp for that, the Japanese were held in, I mean, you oh, wow. like that and you're like, oh my gosh. So there's that place out something, in. Yeah, yeah. Something that I guarantee you know, 90% of our listeners don't even know exists in the, the America. We couldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. It's but. crazy when you go to, so when you go out to Bainbridge Island, right. And outside of Seattle and you can actually literally walk the path that they took when they left, when they were forced off of Bainbridge Island and were made to go 200 miles inland into America. They weren't allowed to mm -hmm. be on the coast. And when you read their stories on the wall, I mean, just, you, when you get a bigger picture of the world, you know, tra pretty travel is great. I loved my travels to Europe. I love my vacations in the Dominican, but being able to really understand history and see and walk where people walked before me, it's pretty, it's magical and it, it expands your mind in a way that you yeah. just can't get uh, without travel. Yeah, I 1000% I agree. I thought I was the shit until I went to Europe and then, uh, and, and you don't have to go to Europe. Yeah. But, but it, it that was the first time I was like, Oh, 
wait, not everybody lives like I do. Who knew? And yeah. I remember probably five years ago, we went on a cruise, which I know sounds very froofy. And we went on one of the excursions that took us two hours inland in Mexico and driving by the shacks and the, hey, we have cows living in our kitchen homes. And yeah. seeing my kids look out the window who have a very fortunate affluent life and realizing that they just have no idea because we're so busy, you know, being us that we never even thought about mm-hmm. that they just, they didn't, they weren't aware that not everyone lives like they live in Hanover County, Virginia. Right. And you, realize- you and I are also lucky because we did get to see a little bit of that with our volunteer work with the JCs. We yeah. did do some work mm-hmm. in downtown Raleigh and some of the neighborhoods there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right now we're getting into Goodfellas time. Best time of the year if you're in Raleigh. Yeah. Get involved. All about pulling these kids from situations where they would never dream of having a fabulous Christmas and hey, the probably Saturday in December, you're going to have a fabulous day and it's going to be all about Christmas. Yeah. We need to start a Goodfellas enrichment. All right. Um, my last one. And there's a sports par- Is it parable? This is one of those words. I'm like, is it parable? No, no it's definitely right. parable. 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 There's a statement in sports or like a, I don't know, a, a Jedi mind trick where you tell yourself you're only as good as your next shot. Like in tennis, you're only as good as your next swing. Right. Right. You don't think about the one that you did. Right. You think about the one that's had to serve. I just had. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. I, one of the things that I am grateful for is always the next person I can be kind to unsolicited opening a door for someone telling a rando that I like their shoes. Yeah. Seeing a mom flustered at target with her kids on the iPad and not thinking, Oh my God, she's at target with her kids on the iPad. Yeah. But telling her, Hey, you're doing a great job. Yeah. I'm, always i always try to be grateful for that next moment when i can be kind to someone just out of the blue because i know it's going to turn their life around i know it's going to give not their life i mean it might turn their life around it's going to definitely turn their day around day around for sure and it makes my day better because when you're kind to people guess what happens you feel good about yourself absolutely so i try always to remember that i'm only good as good as the next person i'm kind to Wait, is that my parable? Is that the right? That's fantastic. I love Thank that. Thank you. I just tattooed it on my arm a minute ago. No, I didn't. <laughs> Put it right here. Put it right here. Oh, wait. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great thing to be grateful for is being able to be kind. And you know, not everybody has that as a part of their being. So. And that's okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. I love that. Just want to be clarify that we're not here to judge you. Or pretend that we're better than you, but we are. No, I'm kidding. Am I, mean, I? I don't know. <laughs> that was fun, oh. and ex- I'm tired. That was, was fun. It is good. It is good to reflect because we don't do that very often. To reflect on Mm-mm. all the things that have brought you to it's, this place. It is so easy to, at the end of the day, you think of all the bad things that happened to you, yeah. and it's weirdly more difficult to think of the good things. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I know Oprah did it years ago where she's like, oh, when you go to bed, write down five things that you're grateful for. Like, okay, Oprah, like, just give me the car. Do I have to do that? But he's <laughs> on to something. Right. Probably. Probably. Also, Oprah, I'd like the car. I'm going to tag her. Oprah, give me a car. I will say that, um, you know, I do think that one of the things that everybody will be grateful for that I see tomorrow will be 
Your ocean spray cranberry sauce. Ocean spray. I will say I'm going to bring two cans of it. This was a smaller can than what I remember it being. Is 14 ounces enough? I don't know. I, I really you. feel like it is enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have 28 just to make sure. Just to make sure. I'm grateful for whatever my husband just covered in tin foil and put in the fridge. I think it's turkey. Yeah, that sounds like turkey. Mm -hmm. That's a, that does sound like turkey. Do you want to talk about our next episode? Because this is this is going to be a good one. I cannot wait for our next episode. It's going to be so much fun. And yeah. so listeners get to help. I actually, I don't mean to brag, but a couple of times in the past week, I have been fangirled or people came to me and were like, oh my God, I love you. I love your work. So amazing. Awkwardly, that did happen to me on an event I was at Sunday with you. And I was like, oh, this is weird. We'll talk about that event later. <laughs> but I know Kathy, I know Kathy doesn't care. I mean, you do care, but anyway, no, yes. So, I'm glad that somebody is recognizing you for the good, cool things you're doing. Are you kidding? It's amazing. Yeah. So the first time was at Bunko and, uh, and she's listening. So I got to be really careful about how excited I seem about that. I got fangirled a little bit, but anyways, the person that fangirled me was just a youngster, just a youth, a mere 21, youth. a babe. Oh my gosh. She hasn't even thrown her first wrinkle. What? Wow. That's pretty amazing. So after I went through the whole conversation again with her about the thing I can't get straight, which is what am I? Am I a gen? I'm a gen X. You're a gen. Right? Okay. So yeah. I think I finally got it. I'm a gen X. My children are millennials, but they're, my children are not millennials. God damn it. They're not millennials because they weren't born in the 2000. They were born after the 2000. Are they? No, so they're gen are they Zen Z? I got a 2002 and a 2005. Uh, so like the 2002 is a borderline millennial. Anyways, that's not important. The important thing is that next month for your Christmas present, we are going to have a, a whole episode dedicated to Ask a Gen Z. Yeah. So Gen Z are all the folks. And we're going to have our, a very own. Oh, go ahead. Well, they're the ones that are born between 1996 and 2010 is Gen Z. Oh, I need to tell my kids something. Yep. Wait, I think they already knew that. It's me. This it's me that gets confused. Yeah, and then yes. it's, so after so. Gen Z is the Gen Alpha, and they're the 2010 through the ones that were born that will be born up through 2025. Yeah, we don't care about them. So remember when I tried to have a guest on before? Yes, and it didn't work out because they didn't come. Well, we're gonna try again. We're gonna try to have a guest. I'm gonna bring <laughs> my friend Sydney. Hopefully, she's not gonna use an assumed name because I just ruined her identity. I exposed her. It's fine. She's going to be our Ask the Gen Z. So if you have always wondered which is better, is Facebook better? Is Instagram better? Do I do Snapchat? Do I do TikTok? How do how am I cool on the socials? Sydney is going to answer those questions. Do you go to the mall and you see the tea shops and it's like boba tea and then you they're like, oh, they're loading these little BBs in my tea. That can't be safe. It's not safe. Sydney's going to tell us how to drink them correctly without choking to death. Oh my gosh. Is she going to tell us how I can flex? I don't even know flexing is still a thing, but, but we'll ask. We'll ask. What is flexing still a thing? I want to know. Flex anymore? I don't know. What's the cool word? Like, what's the right? things? Are we? Do we? No. You know what? We're not flexing. We're slaying. Oh, that slays. Oh my god. I gosh. think we're slaying. I don't know. We might have moved on to something else. I got to check. All right. Right. Yeah. So, Sydney, this is it. If you people, you got to send just your question so we can ask Sydney. Pretty exciting. I'm going to definitely be very uncomfortable for her. Well, that. I mean, that's on brand for that generation. They're going to, you know what they're going to do? They're going to cringe. They're going to, wait, 
I, I hope they don't find us cringe. Oh, I say that right. They probably do. We'll ask. Yeah. We'll ask. We'll ask if I said it right. I don't know. So I hope she's not like, oh, I die. <laughs> Skeletons crossing. She, you know what? Sydney's listening to this right now and quickly changing her phone number. <laughs> I'm, I, my phone is probably going to be, I'm going to get a ping that says, hey, I'm busy that day. I'll be like, Sydney, I didn't even give you a day. Uh, that's the one I'm busy. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. It's going to be delightful. This poor girl walked into Bunko thinking she was just being a sub and now she's going to be on a podcast. I'm pretty impressed pretty that impressed. she's a sub at Bunko, though. She's an old soul. Okay. Because I was going to say that does not sound very Gen Z to me. But yeah, our Bunko group is really cool. So I don't know why you're being so judgy. That's so great. That's, fantastic. you know, according to the Gen Z's, we can do whatever we want. And if we want to play Bunko with 21 year olds, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Suck it, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that slays. <laughs> Thanks for coming to this episode of Wine and Wine. Wine and Wine. I work special post Thanksgiving edition. Thank you for, I cannot wait. Cannot wait to hear from a, uh, a Gen Z person. And as usual, hey, we're grateful for those of you that are listening. So we are super grateful for the six of you. Wine and Wine is part of Barlow Productions and is created by Kathy Crowley and me, Jill Barlow. Check out Kathy's thought for the day on all the socials under at Kathy Crowley One. Head over to her YouTube channel for videos related to our nonsers and more. That's Kathy with a K and Crowley with a C and the number one. Learn more about me, Jill, at jillbarlow.com. That's Jill with a Y. Follow my blog at witchwaysup.com and grab a copy of What to Expect When You Weren't Expecting at your favorite online bookstore. And yes, I am far too young to have written a best-selling memoir, but my life was too hilarious not to. Until next time, that's Wine and Wine. Wine.